Rusty, thanks for joining us. Really great to have you here. Hey, thanks, Ledger. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to uh, have this discussion with me. Awesome, awesome. So just for the audience, why don't we uh, give give, give a two-minute intro, tell your story a little bit, you know, uh, tell people where you're coming from and, and where you're going. Uh, sure thing. Uh, I'll try to keep it to two minutes. Uh, uh, it's interesting, to say the least. Uh, so I grew up in a really small town in rural Louisiana, and um, I remember when we got our first computer at the high school, and it's just something that I was drawn to. I uh, really enjoyed, uh, you know, figuring out how to solve problems and you know, build menus and things like that. You know, learned a little QBasic, that kind of that kind of thing. And um, out of the army, I mean, out of the out of the out of high school, uh, there really wasn't a lot of opportunity besides going to work offshore or or something like that, or going into construction. Uh, unless you were to, you know, go off to college somewhere, which frankly I, I did, I was not interested in the prospect of of going to college. I had, I felt like I had done enough learning, so to speak, at that point, uh, or at least I wanted to take a break. Uh, and the opportunity to join the uh, United States Army as a signals intelligence analyst afforded itself to me, and so I took advantage of it and uh, spent the next six years in the United States Army uh, as a signals intelligence analyst, and uh, got to go to a lot of places: Korea, Fort Campbell, Kentucky. But an interesting thing happened while I was in Korea. I got the opportunity to learn uh, Unix and um, specifically uh, figured out that I could solve some problems that we were having that, that uh, took a long time using Perl to, uh, to write scripts and, uh, and little applets that you know, would turn what would be a, you know, a one or two, three-day job into a 30-second task. And so, um, so that's really what, where I got the bug. Uh, after that, I started learning more about system administration in both Unix, and then, of course, that was not long before the transition to uh, Windows for work groups, and then, and then finally, the NT, the network technology domains, the Windows NT domains came out, uh, and I sort of headed in that direction. Eventually, I got involved in networking and, uh, and learning that kind of stuff. I went the Cisco certification route. I was a Brocade Foundry engineer uh, at one point. Uh, I used to run the network, the, all the networks at Fort Polk, Louisiana. Uh, you know, and then it's sort of natural progression of of a career. You move into management, and and you less hands on, which uh, frankly I didn't enjoy that much. And and so during that that phase, um, long about 2013, 14, I was uh, frankly really bored. I was doing a lot of uh, reviews of personnel. Uh, I was working for the Air Force at the time as a as a Department of the Air Force civilian, uh, and I had about I don't know 70 or so folks working for me about. Uh, probably 60% of those were contractors. The rest were uh, military folks. And, you know, we had to do their performance, you know, reports. And that was, that, um, that was like dying a slow death for somebody who likes to solve problems and, and likes to be hands on keyboard. And uh, during that time, I decided, you know, I got I to gotta pour myself into something. And so I started a, a blog called Cyber Career Coach. Um, that's at cybercareercoach.com. And immediately after starting the blog, I thought, you know what, I think I want to do a podcast and start interviewing folks and, and just talking about things that, you know, I've struggled with and, and sometimes continue to struggle with uh, and maybe crowdsource it. And, and that's kind of where it started. And then about, I'd say probably my fourth or fifth interview, I interviewed a, a gentleman named Jason Ingalls, who was doing incident response uh, for major companies all across the United States. It sounded really exciting. Uh, we stayed in contact. He actually invited me 
to join him on an incident response engagement. So I took some time off work and did that and had the most fun I think I'd ever had with my clothes on. And after that, he offered me a position of a chief information officer with his firm. Uh, and I did that for a couple of years. And while I, while I was there, we we developed, uh, started learning uh, about big data, uh, Elasticsearch and Hadoop and uh, and how to you know, use that effectively and for cybersecurity incidents and to um, to really begin to correlate uh, data uh, from very different locations and put that stuff together and start to put a picture together of the attacker path through the network and, and their activity. Uh, and we initially ended up building a, um, a virtual reality application that could visualize NetFlow, but we needed more data. And so as a result, we ended up starting a managed detection response capability so I, I built out the underlying data analytics platform for that, and uh, we actually were made the Gartner, the very short list of Gartner uh, MDR companies two years in a row, 2017 and 18. And uh, I, at that point, uh, before that, I transitioned to the chief technology officer for Ingalls. Uh, and about September, uh, I got an opportunity to come to work for a company called Beat LLC as their VP of technology. To help on some big data initiatives that they were doing, and uh, and that's that's where I've been for the last few months, and I really like it. It's a San Antonio company, which is where I'm at. There's not as much travel, so I'm home with my wife and kids, and I can you know devote more of my spare time back to the podcast because I'm not on the road as much. But uh, yeah, that's in a nutshell. That's where that's I come fantastic. From. Yeah, what a great path. You know, I mean, you've touched a lot of bases there. You know, so uh, off mic, you and I were talking about how you know you just you just really have this passion for connecting with people around you know, uh, particularly technology professionals, you know, and, and this, this coaching practice. And um, that really, that really fits nicely into what we're doing on the sourcing side is just really helping people to be professional freelancers, you know, and, and what does that mean? And what are the soft skills necessary? You know, I'm sure you're finding and, and we tend to find that it's just not enough to you know, have excellent technical skills to know how to code to pass a code test, you know, any of those things. There's like this other huge piece of the pie and um, the professional acumen and the communication and soft skills and, and all those things. What do you touch on, you know, when you're dealing with technical professionals and, and maybe we could walk away today, you know, for the audience with, with some tips there. No, that's a, that's a really great question. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure most of your audience is familiar with the whole concept of uh, there used to be a skit on Saturday night live where the, uh, the IT guy would come into the room and, uh, and everybody would, Hey, IT guy, I need your help with, you know, with X. And he's like, he just gets over there. He says, well, go here. And and then he just says, move. And he shoves them out of the way and jumps on the computer and fixes it. And um, that's things like that are funny because they're rooted in truth. And, um, and I know that's something that early on in my career, I struggled with. It's um, a lack of patience, right? Because when you know the answer and you know how to get to the, to the root of a problem, uh, it's very hard to sit and watch somebody go slowly. And this is why Folks who have a background in uh, help desk support uh, and and dealing with customers uh, usually have an easier time with things like interviews and uh, sort of winning the job. Uh, I think you know I spend a lot of time with the folks that uh, you know that that I work with, uh, helping them to overcome limiting beliefs that they have within themselves. So a lot of times, because of and, and it's really you know. I, I don't want to create any generalizations here because there are folks that do this kind of work from every kind of background imaginable. But I find that a lot of folks are, you know, they're gamers. Uh, they spend a lot of time in their basement or their bedroom playing 
you know, World of Warcraft or EverQuest or what have you. And, uh, and that's kind of, you know, what got them excited about doing this kind of stuff. They often ran their own servers uh, and they needed to, you know, learn how to do those kinds of things. And that's sort of what sparked this interest for them. And, um, you know, I don't want to say that that there are I don't I wouldn't say that most folks that do this kind of work uh, can be socially awkward. I think that what it is is it's there is a with technology with the the prevalence of of social media with uh, the fact that we do everything on our phones and we communicate. What happens is that personal connection, that one to one um, interpersonal communication, those interpersonal communication skills that happen face to face are somewhat I would say. Uh, not uh, comfortable. Some folks are not comfortable in that scenario, right? And uh, you've got to figure out how to be who you are, be yourself, and also be open to others. And I think a lot of folks that do what we do kind of struggle in that area, mostly because we are so good at uh, at using communications technologies, you know, like our phones and and, and the computers and and things like that. Uh, You know, I'm Again, I hate to generalize, and I don't think that it's fair to generalize, but a lot of the people that, that I deal with, that's that's been their, I think their number one frustration is not that they don't know how to do the job. It's that often they have a hard time communicating that uh, in a, an interview type scenario or, or face-to-face with someone. Yeah, yeah, we see that sometimes, you know, and we we often will will stand up next to you know an engineer and, and help them, you know, sort of uh, choose words wisely and, and things of that nature. And and I have to say where I have seen, you know, some, some just absolutely brilliant engineers uh, fall over, you know, on a project is, is the communication side, you know, and it really is just, Hey, I was out there writing my code and, you know, I was doing a great job and I was checking in my code every day. And, and then it turns out that the client had an expectation that maybe so-and-so was going to, you know, regularly write a physical update or was going to show up for a particular standup. And because that communication wasn't shared and expectations weren't set, you know, the, the engagement didn't work out. And, and it's not about the, the code that was written. And the code that was written is beautiful, but the, the level of expectation is, is higher, uh, particularly for a senior professional. And, and that can be a, a tough pill to swallow and, and, and tough news to deliver for us. You know, we don't, we don't like that. We like to see people be successful. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that I've found um, you know, it's funny when you get into when into sort of coaching, you, you think it's going to be, you know, you help people decide which certifications to take uh, based on their skill set. You're, you're going to help people figure out how to, um, you know, how to sort of lay out the groundwork and the roadmap for their career uh, because it's it's essentially career coaching and, and helping people get the most out of their career because a, a lot of folks are just unhappy. Right. So they'll, they'll get a job. They're unhappy in their job and they think, oh, I need to find a new job. And so, you know, they start searching for ways to improve themselves or get more certifications or things like that. And often it's, it's not the job. It's, it's their, their outlook. It's their attitude. It's the, uh, their approach to life. And uh, it's important to find balance. And balance is not just about necessarily family and home life. It's your recreational time. It's, it's um, oddly enough, it's, it's your spiritual. And it doesn't matter whether it's a, you know, you believe in one God or it's, uh, you know, a Buddhist or you believe in, you know, the earth or whatever. But there is a spiritual component to the self that that needs to be fed. And and that's another part of balance. It's your financial life. Um, I find that often folks who are really miserable in their job and hate their jobs, it's, it really isn't their job so much. It's it's because they're 
they're swimming in debt and they see no way out. They're not making enough money to necessarily, you know, pay down their debt. And so they think, so that translates to this unease uh, in every aspect of their life. And, and it, it begins to bleed over. And so one of the things that I really, really try to work towards is, is finding that balance, uh, ensuring that you're doing things in your off time that feed your passions and that, you know, that allow you to, to sort of get these things off of your chest. I think a lot of people just carry this work along with them. Um, you know, a job is a, is a means to support yourself, right? And you can, you can do the work that you love and still hate the job unless you can get these, get everything into the right perspective, right? And, and it helps to sort of work on all these other aspects of your life. And so that's kind of what the Cyber Career Coach community has sort of turned into. It's turned into more of a mindset, overcoming limiting beliefs and breaking through barriers and, you know, leveraging the power and the, of the law of attraction, uh, you know, and understanding the, the secret to success. And, and, um, and that's sort of the direction everything's gone. It's been a great learning experience for me. It's helped me to recognize and address some of the, the, the shortcomings and, and, uh, and limiting factors of my own success. Yeah. And that was going to be my next question. What have you been doing different over the years of, of learning from others and through the experience of others, uh, your coaches, if you will, you know, what have you taken back to your work and done differently? And uh, what successes have you had from that experience yourself? Uh, so one of the things that I think has been uh, a, a lot of benefit to me is, is trying to trying to be helpful. In other words, there's sort of an entre- entrepreneurial aspect to even doing a job. And, and that is the, the whole idea of finding a need and filling it. So uh, just because something is someone else's responsibility or just because um, it's not your job, quote unquote, doesn't mean that that's not something somewhere you can step in and and either assist someone else or help them uh, by just being present and being available. And so for me, I I think there is always this, I would say, um, I'm sure you understand the concept of flow when you're when you're working on something, especially when you're working on code or or scripting or or working on something or debugging there, there is this, you have to focus and focus is such a premium that interruptions uh, can take you off track. And so we have this uh, initial gut reaction, which is sort of, I would say, like the lizard brain. If you read certain, certain books that kind of comes out and it's like you, your, your aggravation for being uh, interrupted, this is all over your face. And, uh, and, it, and you carry it in your body language. Uh, and I think for me, that was something that I dealt with constantly. And so um, this whole process of coaching others sort of helped me to recognize that really that character flaw within myself to and begin to work on not judging uh, others or I wouldn't say judging others, but not reacting negatively uh, when there's an interruption, um, but handle that situation uh, more effectively. And I think it, it makes uh, intercommunication or interpersonal communication between others much better. Uh, and, and then you can very politely ask someone, you know, after the fact, I'm, I'm working here and, um, you know, next time if, if you need to, if you need something, could you just give me a second or, or whatever, you know, I mean, there, there are ways to handle that much more delicately than, and it depends on the situation, obviously, and, and whether or not it's your boss, right? Um, but certainly with peers, uh, because your, your relationship with peers really can uh, impact either negatively or positively your, your environment at work. 
And that doesn't matter if you're on a job as a consultant or if you're working as an employee. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a good point. And we do hear about flow and actually that comes up a lot, you know, with engineers and they, man, uh, you know, good software engineers do not like to work on too many things at the same time. They want to dig in and solve the problem. And what we find is that, you know, we work primarily in a remote environments, you know, so that uh, we have to remind people often to, you know, make sure you have the discipline of checking in because the silence is just deafening when no one can see you working and no one sees an update. And so you really need to, to focus in on how to deliver the level of communication necessary and really over deliver on that because uh, no one can see you doing the work, you know, unless you have that activity stream. And, uh, and that itself can be distracting, you know, if you, if you kind of don't handle it the right way. Uh, what's your feeling on remote work? You know, how are you, are you coaching anybody that, that deals exclusively in a remote environment? And, you know, how would you advise people to, to make changes to achieve that. I mean, you know, everybody loves to work or not everybody, but many people love to work from their home office and the professional freelancers that, that we deal with. I mean, that's the thing. And so, you know, do you, do you have people like that or do you think about people working in this new sort of remote economy and what advice would you have for them? Yeah. So I mostly work from home. Um, and the one thing that I found the, the biggest challenge for me working from home was not what you would think. And as far as, you know, keeping yourself motivated, it, I tend to work too much. Uh, and that's the problem. I had to put, I had to put boundaries around, you know, when I worked and where I worked uh, within the within the house to essentially keep the peace, to make sure that I wasn't neglecting my wife and my family, uh, but also to ensure that I was taking breaks uh, because you know we end up sitting for hours. Uh, so that was a learning experience for me as well as as when I transitioned to to mostly working from home, and that's and that's where I am now. But you know, I would say the the things that help folks that are working from home, especially if you have, you know, multiple clients, uh, staying organized. And there are lots of tools to do that. Uh, Trello is a great tool for, especially for, you know, for developers. Uh, and, and you have the ability to do collaboration there. So if you can, if you can, if you're working with a company and they're using a tool like Trello or even Slack uh, or um, Asana, I think is one, Monday, dot uh, com is another uh, great sort of project management tool that uh, allows you to you know create and track milestones. But any kind of collaboration tool that allows you to uh, provide updates with what's going on uh, on you know on your project or, or what have you uh, is something that can be leveraged for for positive good things to ensure that you're communicating effectively with with the people that you're working for uh, to so they know that you're engaged and that you're busy. Um, there's a there's a balance between having tools like that, which will give you notifications uh, throughout the day, uh, and having an uninterrupt, uninterrupted time for sprints. I think a, a lot of there's a there are a lot of really good techniques uh, to uh, you know. And if talking you know from a development standpoint, if you talk about you know the agile framework or Scrum and, and having sprints uh, where you're working on uh, you know some section of code or some um, specific function, you can do that throughout your day. So you can establish a, a, a one hour or 20 or 30 minute sprint uh, for to work on some section uh, and then stick to that sprint. Work the sprint during that time. At the end of the time, you know, summarize the work that you've done and, and put that into, you know, Trello or update your the person that you're working on because you're going to build those hours. And so it's good to have sort of an activity report. It's not only good for, for the customer to know that you're engaged, but it's also good for you because later on, 
you're going to be going after other engagements, you're going to be going after other gigs and opportunities, and it'll be good to have that sort of that little journal of, of information, and it doesn't have to be a lot, one or two lines, to show the kinds of project that, projects that you did and to demonstrate your effectiveness, and it'll help you tell that story better. Fantastic advice. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah, that's, that's great. Rusty, thank you. This is, this is great to get your insights. Uh, where can the audience you know, look up more stuff about you if they're, if they're interested in your services? Well, the, the website is probably uh, the best starting point, and that is uh, cybercareercoach.com, all one word. And then um, there's also the podcast, which is available on, uh, on both iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, that's the Cyber Career Coach podcast. And so uh, those are the two best places. Uh, you know, we also have a Facebook uh, page, uh, and you can just search for that on Facebook. Uh, and LinkedIn as well. I'm on LinkedIn as uh, Rusty Wilson. But uh, I think, you know, Twitter, Cyber Career Co. at Twitter. But here's the thing. I, one, of, one of the things, I'm, I'm in the process of sort of doing a transition route right now to move more towards a crowdsourced um, sort of initiative because what I'm finding is that there are a lot of great stories out there that I don't know about. And the way to find them is to sort of bring this community together. So I'm going to be creating a Facebook group pretty soon that will allow folks to begin to collaborate more with like-minded individuals and, and folks who can, and uh, kind of like a large mastermind group, if you will. So uh, we can start bouncing ideas off of each other, get advice. And and uh, and because I'm a firm believer that a rising tide lifts all boats. And there's so much going on in the, in the rapid change of pace within technology and the see all cyber fields. Uh, you know, I focus, I've been focused mostly on cybersecurity uh, in my own, but I, I believe that uh, all the cyber fields, there's so much opportunity there and, and we can all help each other. And I mean, this is, this is the enabling industry for all other industries as far as I'm concerned. And it's a, it's a great place to be. And, and I, I would really want to help as many people as possible. And that's the goal of, of uh, doing all this to begin with. Awesome. Thank you. Well, it's great having you here, Rusty. And uh, we'll uh, look forward to seeing you grow the community. Yeah, thanks, Lake. I appreciate your time. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast, produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to Gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast, and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.